0: So Money Episode 735, Aditi Shaker, Founder and CEO of Zeta.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi, May 25th, 2018. Hope you all are enjoying your Memorial Day. And it is an important day to remember all of the servicemen and service women who gave up their lives so that we could have our freedom. We're in conversation today with someone who's at the forefront of financial technology and couples and money, Oddity Shaker. Oddity is the CEO and founder of Zeta, a new platform that's on a mission to help couples master their money. And full disclosure, everybody, I am an investor in Zeta. That's how much I believe in this new company and in its founder. Now, before starting Zeta, Aditi worked at the education company General Assembly, and there she dabbled in helping couples with their money, and it stuck. Today, we're going to talk about her new platform, the biggest money problems and solutions in relationships, and the benefits As Oddity says, of the imposter syndrome. Also, stay tuned if you want to join the platform. Now, it is in its early phase. There is a wait list, but Oddity gives us all a special link where so many listeners can get priority access. Here's Oddity Shaker. Oddity Shaker, welcome to So Money. It's great to connect with you. I'm so excited to be here for news. An audience. I love Oddity as a human, but also as an entrepreneur. She, as I just mentioned in her intro, is the founder and CEO of Zeta, which we're going to talk all about. It's a tool to help couples master their money together. Finally, something in the marketplace. Yes, exactly. And full disclosure, I am an investor in Oddity's company. It's my first investment in a company, and I'm really excited about it. No pressure. (laughs) to make We're pretty excited to have you. Yeah, I'm just, I just, this is how much I love this, this concept and how much I believe in you as an entrepreneur, as someone who interviews entrepreneurs, especially in the fintech space all the time. I feel like just by osmosis, I have gotten an education on what works, what doesn't, and yep. you may also think that something's going to work and it doesn't. So I'm not saying I have the actual formula, but I feel like I've developed a pretty good instinct. And my instinct said, "Go all in." <laughs> That's amazing <laughs> with your with your company. So without further ado, let's let's tell the audience the best part of this interview, which is what Zeta is and how it can help
1: couples. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the reasons, and and I'm going to answer that question in a slightly longer way in the sense that you know I was a couple like I am a couple my husband and I have been together for 15 years and as we were coming together as our relationship was evolving we were moving in together getting engaged getting married we kept asking ourselves how should we think about money together how should we talk about money together and every time we try to go out and try to find resources or talk to our friends or our parents people would have really awkward conversations with us or our parents would give us advice that we didn't necessarily feel related to sort of where we were at or how we wanted to approach money together. So that was really where we started. Uh, it was sort of a scratching our own itch kind of thing. Um, but, you know, what Zeta's has evolved into today is this, this platform that helps young couples one you know, have a place to put their their financial information together in one place and then actually control how much they want to share with each other. What we found in our research is that many young couples, especially young uh, millennial couples, don't necessarily want to merge their money 100 percent. A lot of them are sort of working on this mine, ours and theirs concept. and, And there was no tool out there that really catered to that kind of setup. So we said, well, let's build it. Um, so Zeta helps young couples put their accounts into one place and then actually manage and track their spending on a month-to-month basis. And the main thing that we sort of really orient around on the platform is this concept of a money date, which um, I know you're familiar with, Farnoush, but the idea there is that, you know, couples should come together to regularly talk about money because it is literally proven scientifically to improve the happiness in your relationship. And your podcast is of that name, The Money Date. Yes. Yes, that's right. We're launching a podcast, um, you know, focused on helping couples really learn about how other couples manage their money. The number one question I get when I talk to young couples is, "Tell me how other people do it." Um, and we said, you know what? Let's open that up and let's let's like let's start sharing how people um, are, are thinking about money, the different models for merging money, um, because there are a lot of different models out there, and and nobody has to conform to one. Make find the model that works for you.
0: Right. It's it's got a be practical, but it's also very personal. So yeah. I I am also in the camp of mine, yours, ours. But I yep. feel that no matter how much logic I I put around this and I explain it very, you know, practically to those who are still trying to figure out their way, it's my favorite way to do it. But then, you know, they get it, they see how You know, structurally, this can work, but emotionally, they want it to be one pot, one big old giant money pool. And I, well, then it just becomes, you know, a, a healthy debate and there's really no right or wrong. It's just preferences at that point.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when we built Zeta, we actually catered to that because we knew we didn't want to force anybody into any specific model. We really wanted to give them the flexibility to select the one that makes the most sense. Our goal, though, is to help them make that decision in the most sort of strong way possible. Ask them the right questions to ask each other and think about, um, you know, figure out what are some of the histories that each individual has with money? Because like you said, it's an emotional thing. And when there's so much emotion involved, you as as a couple want to try to unpack that emotion and understand, you know, why are we making the decisions that we're making?
0: I thought it was such a great indicator of how much your product was needed when we were at a coffee shop meeting for the first time. <laughs> and uh, you're just, you know, you're, you explained to me what Zeta is kind of like you just did. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman next to us, you know, in Brooklyn coffee shop, everybody sits pretty close to one another. And he said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't help but overhear your conversation. I need this right now. I just got married exactly. six months ago. My, my bride and I are exactly. like.
1: It was an amazing moment. I was like, wow, I, I, I was hoping you didn't think I planted him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you had, that would have still been really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, in the early days when I was first researching this product, I started by just putting up a landing page before, before I even had a product to offer. And I said, personal finance for couples. And we had a crazy number of people sign up in the first week alone, just because they were like, I need this. I don't know what exactly it is, but I need it. Um, and that was pretty unbelievable. And that was when we knew, wow, we're onto something here. There's, there's a sort of approach here that's uniquely that that needs to be uniquely designed for couples that I, think that the personal finance space is just completely ignored.
0: Have you always known that you wanted to build something of your own, be an entrepreneur? I know prior to Zeta you worked in corporate world and um, yep. in, in
1: largely in the tech space but like was this always the plan? Yeah. So I think I've I've known I was going to be an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. Um, I have entrepreneurs on either side of my family. And I, I think I started my first business when I was eight years old. Um, and I started three by the time I graduated high school. And it was entirely based on what my parents sort of encouraged in us. You know, they they would give us an allowance when we were young. And they were like, anything you want outside of this allowance, you have to earn. And you have to find creative ways to earn. And every time we would come up with some crazy scheme, my brother and I, they would say, OK, great. Now, how do we help you make that happen? Uh, and I you know, we did everything from starting a paper plane flying contest uh, where we we used money to buy Archie's comics in Delhi uh, to you know, I, I uh, created our first prom when I grew up, where I grew up in East Africa in Tanzania. Because I was like, hey, I've seen this like phenomenal experience on in TVs about prom. And I don't you know, we don't have that concept here. Let's make that happen. So it's just something that I knew I was always gonna end up doing. And and working in, in startups was a really great sort of exposure to the the sort of you know specifics, the operational expertise you need to make all this happen. And and you know, my time at General Assembly, my time at Guild Education, my time at Ashoka, all of those experiences has just gotten me so ready for this moment.
0: Right, because at General Assembly, what started as you just workshopping a personal finance kind of seminar for your colleagues, that's where you really got
1: the the bug. Yeah, exactly. I I joke that I'm Indian, so I like to talk about money. Like it's just (laughs) something that comes naturally to me. But you know what was crazy was I remember when I started at GA, I think I was like employee number one hundred and fifty. And there were pretty much everyone who worked there was mostly under 30. And I would talk about money like, oh, yeah, here's how much I think about saving or here's what I'm investing in. And so people started approaching me and saying, hey, Aditi, you talk about money all the time. Can you talk to me about my money? Um And that was really where this entire concept came from. I, I started doing one on one coaching entirely for free because I I would just get so much joy out of the conversation. Um, and then I moved to actually offering classes at GA and, and that continued as I went on to other startup jobs and people kept asking me that question. Um, and I was finally like, Oh my God, I think there's an opportunity to actually bring that sort of, like I said, the couples piece and the personal finance piece together and just help people make better money decisions. And, and it's all inevitably in, in pursuit of helping them lead the lives they want. You know, people have goals, they have dreams and, and I want to help them achieve it. And save marriages probably along
0: the way. I mean, that's kind of what you're doing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you're helping them with their money, but really you're saving marriages because, or relationships, because so many of relationships end over this money conundrum. Like this money exactly. por- piece is, is it? Like if they can't figure this out, then it,
1: a lot of it is downhill from there. That's a, that's exactly right. You know, sixty five percent of divorces are attributable to money. That's pretty crazy. If you think about that, like the fact that there's there's so many resources and and support systems uh, for people to start talking about money, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know what they should be saying. That's something that we really want to sort of help couples address and figure out how to go through that disclosure process with each other.
0: Well, let's talk about your Indian roots because <laughs> we do like to talk about money on this show, obviously, but more specifically, our backgrounds, our our upbringing. And there was an interesting um, s- study recently by Chase Slate that found that over half of parents have had a conversation about money with their children. And right. so what was your or what is your greatest money memory Growing up, what did your parents teach you?
1: A, that's a great question. You know, I think one of the things, the reason I sort of make that Indian joke is because culturally, you know, families actually spend more time talking about money within families with each other. Um, so when I was growing up, my parents would talk pretty openly about, you know, where they were investing or how they were thinking about expenses or what we could or couldn't afford. And so that always instilled in me that it was completely okay to ask about money. And I, in fact, I remember in college where, uh, you know, when we were all graduating, I would ask everybody, Hey, what's your starting salary? Which would get quite a reaction if you can think about it right. in, in North Carolina, right? Because mm. people are like, how dare you ask me this question? But the way I was raised, it was just completely normal to ask that question because, you know, you're thinking about how to set each other up and support each other and helping accomplish your goals. Um, so my some of my earliest memories are, you know, I I remember my dad spending a lot of time with me talking about the value of investing in real estate. He's he's a big fan of real estate. And he always, you know, sort of said, Aditi, the one thing that you can do is think about buying land, because uh, I think land is going to be really valuable as sort of the population of the world grows and as time evolves. Um, and that was something that was really important, because I think it helped sort of seed the personality that I personally have with money. I'm in a money amasser. Um, I, I'd like not spend money unless I think that is going to turn around and make me money. So I love spending money when I'm like, oh yeah, this is an investment that's actually going to, you know, bring money, me money amasser. Back. Do you have a few yes. characters I do. I do. We have the, the sort of money saver or the money monk, um, as they're sometimes called Olivia Mellon is actually one of my, my sort of thinkers on this. She's someone who's, who's sort of played around with creating these mini money personalities, um, and helping people figure out how to actually talk to each other when they're different personalities. Wow. Yeah. And you, so you're a money, master is your, what's your husband? He's a saver, or sorry, he's a spender. Um, So that, it took us, yeah, it was a really, really interesting. So there's hope for couples that are completely opposites. You know what, this is the most fascinating thing I learned as a result of Olivia's, is most couples will always be opposite. Even yeah. if two savers or two spenders get married, what happens is couples end up actually moving in different directions. The saver will become a little bit, one saver will become a little bit more of a spender and the other one will become more of a saver. So what I what we learned from all of that research is that actually teaching couples about how to communicate is critical to their relationship rather than sort of trying to get them to be the same kind of personality. Um, and, and that was a really important aha for us as a team because we realized, hey, it's not about making everyone seem like spenders or seem like savers. It's about helping them figure out where the other person is coming from and bridge that gap in their habits as they think about planning.
0: So uh, clearly couples are having a hard time just figuring out a system and Zeta hopefully is that system. There are a lot of other tools out there that help individuals manage their money. There's so much. There's budgeting yeah. tools, there's credit yeah. tools, there's uh, spend tracking tools. Why have we forgotten about couples As far as, well, as far as the fintech world's concerned, I mean, I'm not saying that you're the only and first. Yeah. But in a lot of ways, I mean, I don't, I've seen a lot of products come and go. I have not seen a product specifically designed for couples that is consumer facing. There's a lot of stuff that like financial advisors might use. Yeah. Um, but you're really going for that consumer direct, direct target audience. But
1: why, why has it taken so long? You know, I think the big the big shift that's happening is a generational shift. For a very long time, you could treat couples as individuals because our parents generation, for the most part, really merged all of their assets together and they put it all into one pot and it was sort of treated as one pot. But our generation, the millennial generation, is sort of redefining what relationships are, right? We're getting married later. We're moving in together and living together before we get married. So as we redefine these norms, norms around money are getting redefined as well. And so there's really sort of a moment now where couples are, are sort of starting to say this, you know, there's this new model of money that we'd like to approach. And as a result of that, there are new tools that are needed for us to, to be successful. Um, and and that's really the sort of the the insight that we're, we're jumping on. You know, you say young couples, but I also think that
0: Modern love is taking on all sorts of shapes and sizes and it looks different. People are getting married later in life, like you say, but at that point, maybe you already were married once or right. you right. Um, are, are joining your families. And so, yeah, I agree. There needs to be a tool out there that is malleable, that kind of can fit into whatever your, however you're designing your relationship and your money.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And and uh, you know, our our goal with all of this is is you know, obviously we don't want our couples to to get divorced, but we support couples as, you know, an average person will have somewhere between 5 to 6 serious relationships before they settle down. And and the money, the dynamics of the modern day relationship mean that you're having money conversations long before you're married. You're already sharing expenses when you're living together or whatever it may be. So we we help support couples even at that stage so that they can figure out, hey, who's paid for rent and how much did we pay? And, you know, who's 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 paying for the utilities? It's it's the sort of day to day stuff, the stuff that inundates you uh, that we we just want to clear out of the way so you can just spend more time laughing together.
0: You were there were we, we did a little research on you because. uh 'cause uh <laughs> how we prepare. Um, But you said that you live for, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I thought it was an interesting quote, um, that you live for in the imposter syndrome, that you say that if I don't feel like an imposter, I'm not challenging myself hard enough. (laughs) That's a great spin on like... I feel that way sometimes too, but I think my my imposter syndrome comes from childhood when I was like always different. Yeah, I didn't sit with the cool girls. I, yeah. I mean everything about me was different. Just I'm sure you can relate from the name to my clothes yeah. to my lunch. For sure. <laughs> For sure. And if I'm not different, I feel weird. Yeah. If I feel yeah. if I'm if I'm the same like everybody else, I feel completely uncomfortable.
1: That's amazing that's such a great that's such a great dynamic yeah I mean look I I'm a big believer I think my Instagram quote is uh, I don't believe in mediocrity or I hate mediocrity I mean I'm just a huge believer of throwing yourself into the deep end um, and you know I think I did that a lot I've done that a lot in my career um, but you know as I've as I've grown older and as I've grown wiser hopefully through the years, one of the things that resonates with me is sort of Warren Buffett's theory on investing. He always says, um, you know, the investments he makes, he doesn't see as high risk. Um, because he's done the diligence he's done the work to reduce the risk on that, so I think as i've I, as I've pushed myself and as i've challenged myself especially in my career but also in my own relationship, one of the things now that I try to do that i didn't do as great a job of in my early twenties is really focus on saying how do I minimize the amount of risk that i'm creating or or sort of protect for the opportunity cost that i'm taking up um, and I think that has really helped me say it's okay to go off and try to do crazy, challenging and scary things because I have sort of a support system or a backup plan or some sort of way that I'm trying to reduce the risk as I'm taking them.
0: Right. So you're an entrepreneur now and you left a nine to five to be able to run with this passion of yours. Others would look at that and say, wow, what a risk. I don't know if I could do it. And I'm even yeah. I am sitting here, I'm like, wow, I really admire your risk, your appetite for risk. So tell us a little bit of how you have mitigated the risk for yourself. So if this doesn't go where you want it to go, this, this venture, um, yeah. or you have a couple of months where you're dry. I mean, so how
1: yeah. does it work? How are you making this work for you? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great question. So the first and the most uh, sort of challenging thing personally, right off the bat is I don't earn an income, right? I'm, I'm building a company. It's in the early stages. I want to take any revenue or any sort of money that we have and put it towards making the company happen, bringing the idea to life. Um, and one of the things that I, I was fortunate enough to do, and this goes back to my my dad is, you know, he, I early on in my twenties invested in real estate in DC. Um I got an apartment and I am now able to charge rent for that apartment and help use the rental income that I get from the DC apartment to pay sort of my day-to-day bills. Um my husband also recognizes that I'm taking this level of risk and is willing to be more of the primary breadwinner than, you know, than he was in the past because I was I was working at a job where I made more money than he did. Um and you know, we've also there's there's sort of a third piece of this which is I've thought about the future um, um, and one of the things that we decided to do is invest in um, another piece of real estate that we're actually looking to sort of flip, um, because we decided that you know, data is a huge investment. We're, we're I'm putting a lot of energy and resources into there, um, but ninety eight percent of startups fail, right? And so don't tell me that. <laughs> you have to be pragmatic I at know. the same time, and and so we've thought a lot about okay, well, how do we counter that investment um, and the sort of lost income that I have during these, you know, three five years before before hopefully I start earning a, a decent wage, um, and and turn that around and make that something that we can actually make back. And so uh, a project that my husband and I are taking on, which will be a true test of our marriage, nevertheless, um, is is sort of rebuilding our home. Um, um, is sort of working on our home and, and turning it into a three-bedroom, three-bathroom home in San Francisco. And if we can pull that off, you know, there's, there's a nice um, payoff at the end of that entire process.
0: Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60 day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money. So they know our show sent you that's simplysafe.com slash so money. Absolutely. You know, I went through a renovation yeah. merging two apartments
1: together. Unbelievable. In, in
0: New York city, no joke. It's really no joke. And I think it's why I have so many gray hairs, <laughs> and why I why? see a hair colorist more than I should. But no, I and it, you know, <clears throat> look, we're still married. We love our place. You survived. We didn't. We are still friends with our architect. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's good news. Which yeah, is good. Um, but so many things that you just can't predict. Yeah. Um, I wrote about it for my newsletter afterwards cuz if I had written about it while it was happening I think I would have um it would have been a, different a very email. different piece yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know one of the things we had to do was seal one of the pipes in so we were turning the kitchen in our original home into a bedroom so we had to okay. basically get rid of all the appliances seal the pipes yeah and we discovered, because it wasn't somehow in the blueprints, that the pipe for, uh, for one of the, like, I guess it was like the, where the, uh, normally where the fridge was, it was, it went all the way down to the lower level apartment. Oh, no. And they, you that's where you had it. to cap it. Yeah. So now I have to, so then this becomes a, we, this is after we've like knocked down all the walls, like we're in this project now. There's no going backwards. Wow. And so... I had to call my neighbors downstairs whom I'd never spoken to, who have two small children and basically say, hey, can I rip apart your kitchen <laughs> so I can get into this wall and well, not me, but my contractor and my his team to seal the pipe. Oh, my gosh. And, and how'd that go? It was, I was really proud of myself. I felt like I was at the United Nations trying to convince, you know, the model, like I was at model UN, like I was trying to convince like a treaty to get passed. And I had to be really diplomatic, really understand that they're, they have no reason to agree to this. Like they, they could just say no. And I'd I'd be really screwed. I'd have to basically change the entire configuration of the home so that oh, I can. have to keep this kitchen where it is. I'd have a random kitchen in the in between two bedrooms, or maybe yeah. I'd make a cool wet bar. I don't know. Maybe I would have done something cool with it, but they a were, wet bar in your kid's room—that sounds like yeah. A, a wet bar in my, in my in Evan's bedroom. We're getting him early on the drinking. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I just it. I. I was really made sure that I listened to them, that I wasn't just like selling them what I needed. Yeah. And I was really honest about the fact that we had just discovered this, that we had done our due diligence, but please be, like believe me that I had no idea, you know, if I had known, we would have, we would have contacted you much sooner. Um, the thing that really, they, they actually agreed, but then the next day they had like all this contract work for me to sign, which I was, I would have signed my life away at this point. Right. right. You know, they wanted me to pay for their, for the time that they're away, like, the Airbnb, oh, wow. the car, yeah. you know, the garage, the nanny, oh, their wow. food. I was like, sure. Do you want me to pay for?
1: You want your me to freeze your eggs too? Like I'll do yeah, that. All
0: right. Whatever. Just let, put it down. <laughs> do you want a million dollars? I don't have that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's put that in the contract. Put it in the tab. Yeah. Um. So they then we discovered like afterwards, like a, a day later, that the construct that the sort of like the the operation, the procedure was going to be a lot less intense. All we had to do was like remove. We could get in through their bathroom as well and just remove a medicine cabinet, get behind that wall and seal the pipe and be done with it. Like we, oh, we wouldn't have to touch yeah. the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but- I digress. That was really uh, – man, yeah. So gray hairs for sure all the way. For sure. And I'm guessing my second startup... But you should totally renovate your apartment.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think our second startup is definitely going to be focused on helping couples get through rebuilds together or remodels together. Yeah. So tell
0: me about like your plan. Like, so this is not the end all for you. This is like, I'm going to start this, get everybody rocking and rolling with their personal finances and their marriages. Then you're on... Are you going to be a serial entrepreneur, you think?
1: You know, I just, I think there's so many aspects of the relationship that you can tackle. And, and like I said, finances is one piece of it, but there's so many different elements of our lives. And, and I, I really like the, the thing that connects my entire career, my entire dots together is helping people live the lives they want. Like, there's nothing that brings me more passion than when I get a text message from one so one of our users being like, oh, my God, we can finally buy that home that we wanted because, you know, the advice you gave us on how to improve our credit score. I, I just got that text last week at 5 a.m. And it said, you know, my credit score is up 60 points. Thank you so freaking much. And 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 that's, that's the kind of thing that, that just gives me a certain sense of satisfaction satisfaction that I, I just get really, really excited about. So I know my entire career is going to be dedicated to that pursuit. And it's just a matter of, you know, what, what I do to make all of those, those dreams come to, come to life. Uh, did you tell me about a time when you really sucked at money? Oh man. So this was a very, uh, very young person mistake, but, um, I, so, you know, like I said, I, I'm a little, I was i I'm a saver unless I think it's going to make me money. So, uh, early on in my career, I, um, graduated from college. My first job out of college, I made $30,000, um, Me not too. a lot of money. Yeah. Wow. Great. I, if well, we're on actually, the same path. Well, actually $18 an hour. <laughs> is... There we go. There we go. I was working for a nonprofit, um, and in, in San Francisco, by the way. Um, and I was making $30,000. Mind you, I could not afford an apartment. Um, and I was so- you know I was convinced I was moving into my adult life. I was gonna go and and be an independent woman and in a big city and and sort of live the dream and uh very quickly, I realized I couldn't afford my apartment so i I went ahead and uh moved in with my family, who happens to be, to live here as well um which ended up letting me save a lot of money um towards you know other goals that I had so as I did this for a few years and and um you know continued to sort of stay with family because I was like, this is a great saving strategy um, I saved up a bunch of money and I was really thrilled. I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do with all this money that I saved?" And I promptly went and bought, um, a car, a brand new car. Yep. Mm hmm. hmm. Oh, no. A brand new car um, that i was. new so car. Proud of. Yes. yes. Not even a, le- you know, not even a used one, a new one. Um, and I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, mom, check out my brand new car. It was a fancy car and everything. <laughs> and that was the I, I joke to, you know, pretty openly with my friends. That was the last depreciating asset I ever bought, because I realized that the second I drove that car out of the lot, the value of the car had already dropped pretty significantly. Um, and it, it just sort of reminded me that, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in this sort of like, oh, I want a fancy new car. Or, I want a really fancy home or whatever it may be. Um, and it, it's totally fine to chase those things. But it's, it's always helpful to think about, is this one of those things that's actually going to bring me a lot of joy and happiness? And if it is, okay, go for it. Um, but if it isn't, and, and arguably, you know, a brand new fancy car wasn't, um, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be the thing you invest in. And so that was a really, Really important sort of mistake that I made early on, and luckily I still drive that car. So I'm okay. Drive that was my next question. To, yeah. Was did you get mm-hmm. your money's worth? Mm-hmm. I'm going to drive the heck out of that car, but you know it was a really really important lesson for me because I realized that I'd spent all this on energy saving up this money, and then I sort of put it away against this depreciating asset that I was never going to really get back. And that is when you became a money amasser. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's, no, it's, it's really true that that was the moment where I was like, wait a second. That was a stupid mistake.
0: What's a habit that you and your husband practice in your marriage, a financial habit, other than, of course, using Zeta, which, by the way, is in, it's still in beta. So not like yeah. anyone can just go and sign up. But we do have a special link for everybody at the end that oddity has been very kind to create for So many listeners to get to the top of the wait list. Yep, that's tell, right. Tell me something that you and your husband do,
1: say, relate that helps you with your with your couple finances. Yeah. So my husband and I have, uh, I mean, I know this is like all sort of connected to that, but we have a monthly money date. So once a month we sit down, um, we usually sit down with chocolate molten lava cakes in front of us because the two of us uh, consider that very fun. Um, and we actually go through our finances. So we talk about everything from how much money we spent to really connecting and reconnecting over our goals. Um, what the two of us have found is that as our lives have evolved, our goals have really evolved. Um, and, you know, just this weekend when we were going through our money date, one of the realizations we had was we were like, hey, we're ready to start thinking about having kids at some point in the future. And, and we need to start planning for that and thinking for that. And, and so the, those conversations just help us sort of feel like we're on the same page um, and, and, and understand when we're starting to think about things that are different from each other as well. You know, my husband has goals that I don't necessarily have and I have goals that he doesn't necessarily have. So it also gives us a chance to sort of talk to each other about what the other person is thinking and and help plan for that.
0: What's your husband's goal? I mean, isn't he just going to like help you build data and make oddity a star?
1: If I, if I gave him that option, he absolutely would. He would, you know, he's so excited about what we're building and he's, I mean, he sees the value of it in our own relationship. So he's, he's like, tell me when, tell me when I should join. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, you know, I, he is, he's, like I said, he's more of a spender. So he likes to sort of buy things that he loves. He loves gadgets. Um, so he loves to buy essentially every tech product uh, on, on the market. Um, but he also, you know, at some point wants to start his own UX, re- he's a UX researcher, his own consulting business one day. And that's something that he's really excited about and passionate about. And so we talk about how to help him accomplish that goal and how I can be supportive uh, In going out and doing that.
0: Can you be more specific about how you divide and conquer your finances? So I know you have a joint, I read that you have a joint credit card in terms of your, like your husband's a spender. So how does, does he get his own spend allowance like from his own income? How does it work? How does it
1: look? Yeah, and I, the one thing I will caveat is all of this has really evolved over our relationship. So it started one way, and it sort of iterated as as the years have gone on. Um, when we first started, uh, li- when we first started dating, actually, we were dating for a long time. We were um, a lo- in a long distance relationship. We started by actually getting a joint credit card, um, and that was because we had a lot of sort of shared expenses. We were flying out to see each other. We would go out for dinner, um, and I actually remember early on when we started dating in college, I said to him, "Hey, I'm one of those." girls who likes to pay 50% for everything. I just want to be really, really fair. And he was like, okay, sure. If that's, that's how you want to approach things, jackpot. Yeah. That's (laughs) a good thing for him. He definitely mentioned that early on. Um, and so we started with that joint credit card and then it grew into a joint account and then it started growing into joint assets. So we really think really carefully about when we were making each move because we were essentially building trust with each other, you know, early on in our relationship, my my husband delmar super comfortable walking into j crew and buying a full price sweater and for me i'm like no go to marshalls find it on sale and let's call it a call it a deal you know so we had just very different habits and and so as our relationship evolved and as we started agreeing on what are things that we'll put on the joint card versus a separate card so like at this point you know we don't Sweat so much about how much, uh, you know, whether we put groceries on the card or not, or whether we pay for the dog together or not. Like we, we don't really work through those specific details as much because we trust each other a lot. Um, but in the earlier days, we were more specific about, Hey, you know, we go out to eat a lot. Maybe, you know, you you tend to buy three, three appetizers and I tend to do one. So maybe one, we want to be a little bit more thoughtful about that. And so that's really where it's evolved. So we have individual accounts where we actually put our income and then we pool money together into our joint accounts as well um, to help pay for our shared expenses. And the majority of our expenses, about 80% of our expenses are essentially all shared. But then we have that space where he can go buy that J. Crew sweater if he still wants it. Um, or, you know, uh, and I can go spend money on plants. Like I just get a lot of joy out of gardening, which is not something he cares for. Um, and that gives us the space of uh, spending money without feeling like the other person is sort of keeping a watchful eye over yeah. every cent and every dollar.
0: I like what you said about having it be something that evolves over time. And as your life takes on new dimensions, yep, maybe you'll have children, maybe, you know, you'll Just encounter more different kinds of expenses. And I know in our marriage, it's no secret I'm the breadwinner, but to the extent that Tim can pay for like big ticket items, I think that's important for him and for me too, to have that off my plate. So we've, because again, it's like what not only is a practical way to manage your money, but emotionally fitting. So Tim... Uh, handles all the educational costs in our, in our, in our marriage, which at this stage is a lot. Right. You know, private school, um, special services right. and also he also contributes to the 529s. So right. in all the ways, like, and I think that's really special for him to be able to be that guy in the marriage that does all those, that covers those costs. And that yeah. is, you know, and I think in every relationship it looks different, but I think to give each person's money meaning is kind of what I try to emphasize. And that looks different for everybody. But I think that especially when there's an income gap Yes. It's very easy for the person who makes less to or even the person well, we who makes feel more, less. Right. Yeah, right. to feel like their right. money is not covering anything that is tangibly significant. Right.
1: Right. But, no, I, I think that is such a great way to say it's sort of giving your money meaning. Um, because you know, the research also shows that as you become more dependent, that, that sort of sense of dependency is important in terms of a relationship satisfaction. Um so actually giving money meaning helps you build that dependency without necessarily quantifying it down to a dollar amount. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's do some, so many fill in the blanks. I'm game. Let's go you're game. Okay. If I won yeah. the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is definitely start a dog sanctuary. We didn't even get to your
1: dog obsession. <laughs>
0: I know that's like you, you lo- know that's publicly stated you're obsessed with dogs. Yes. Do you
1: have a dog? I do. His name's Goose. We, Goose. I, I, I joke that Goose is like the best training ground for having kids because you know even his expenses, like we spend more money on the dog than we do on ourselves, probably. Um, yeah. So he's been he's been a really good sort of set of training wheels for us to figure out how we're going to merge our finances. We even went through an this, this sort of a, a you know after death estate planning process, and we had to have the conversation of who would get Goose, and it, it was a serious <gasps> discussion for my husband and I. Oh, that's true. You I mean you could split. Customers. Custody, i guess well right but what if we're both not there who gets it oh oh i see if you're oh, mm-hmm. so who's gonna be the lucky person well my mom's pretty upset she's not but um <laughs> we we have some friends who just adore the hell out of him and so he's gonna be he's gonna they're gonna get him
0: oh yeah my daughter is obsessed with dogs she's 14 months i think she gets it from her dad yeah i was gonna say so it's tim and i know a lot of kids like Pets and dogs, but she doesn't care for cats. She doesn't care for birds. Anytime she sees a dog, oh, she amazing. goes woof woof and, and just <laughs> is obsessed. And, you know, so my mom's like, you got to get a dog, you got to get a dog. But our place is just right
1: for three, four humans. Right. a dog. I'm like, where would I even put the dog food? it's, it's, it's so true. A dog in New York city is hard though. New York city is an incredibly friendly place for dogs.
0: It is the apartments, not so much, but the, the, there's a lot of parks and
1: exactly fellow yeah. dog lovers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, dog sanctuary all the way. I, there's nothing that gets to me faster than a video about a dog who somehow has some problem that he can't you know needs some medical attention anything, I will I will open my wallet and start giving money away. One thing I spend on that makes my life easier or better is um, definitely our cleaning lady. It was something that my husband and I fought a lot about early on in our relationship. I had I was used to a sense of cleanliness that he didn't necessarily have right off the bat. And having a cleaning lady really helped us just stop arguing about who was going to clean the bathroom and the bathtub and the kitchen and all the crazy stuff.
0: So I, I interviewed a couple, actually just the wife, during one, my research for When She Makes More, and she resented that they had a cleaning lady because she was really clean and her her husband worked from home and was a mess and so she and then so she paid for this cleaning lady and one day her husband said to her you know I think the cleaning lady should come like once a week instead of once a month right and the wife was like maybe you should just pick up after yourself and instead yeah. of having it come out of my income and so it became like my income versus your income versus my right. habits so how often do you hear that? And especially because you mentioned earlier, couples getting married later in life—you're used to your money being your money, yeah—and you take a lot of ownership on it, and it becomes, it, it, you—it sort of feels like you're now you're just roomating, and you're not really yeah.
1: married. That's what that yeah. conversation to me sounded like. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I meant about the evolution. And I think it's not even necessarily by the stage of your relationship, but it's the amount of trust that you have in your relationship. Because early on in in Dummer and Mai's relationship, I probably would have totally understood how how this woman felt. You know, I would have said, hey, you're the one making the mess. Why don't you chip in a little bit more for this clean lady? But now we've sort of gotten to that point where I don't care as much who's making the mess. I just know that we want to live a certain way and we want to, you know, have a certain level of clean. In the house, and if it's something that makes him that much happier, okay, fine. Let's do it. Let's let's invest in that together. And so I think that's where that piece of dependency that I was talking about comes from. Where are helping couples move past that sort of dynamic of oh, it's it's you know him making the mess, so he should pay for it, and moving into a space where hey, we're trying to build a happy life together. How do we help ourselves do that and use the resources that we have at our disposal? Or sorry, at our disposal to help make that happen. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's, I know it's, it's uh, like you said, it is an evolution. And I think giving yourself that time and understanding ahead of time, like you don't have to have it all figured out day one of your
1: marriage. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. And, and you don't have to stress about it either. You know, like I think a lot of couples avoid it um, because they, they, they feel this sense of anxiety or fear. Like what, and especially our generation, Farnoosh, like we have so much debt. I mean, the average millennial has $40,000 of debt you know? And, and so debt is actually one of those scariest parts for couples is, is trying to just admit to the other person, Hey, I have a credit card, uh, or I have large amounts of credit card debt or I have student loans that I'm trying to get rid of. And, and what I find is that the more open you are about these things, you don't necessarily need to do stall for all of that debt together all the time. That's not what I'm, I'm pitching, but at least helping the, the other person knows what your situation is and can help you accomplish that. That's what's really powerful.
0: All right, let's get back to these Mad Libs. I know you're, you're a money amasser, but when you go off the rails and you
1: splurge, the one thing I love to splurge on is? Uh, it's still my dog. I know it's out of control, Aww. but I will pay for the dog walker as many times as the dog wants the dog walker. That's really sweet. <laughs> really, really substitute child
0: here. <laughs> Wait till the child actually enters the picture. I know, I'm terrified. Don't get me started. Um, all right. One thing I wish I had
1: learned about money growing up is... Uh, definitely. Well, actually two things. One was de- around investing. I think I early days when I first started, you know, earning money and, and started saving, I remember emailing my whole family and saying like, Hey guys, what do I do with all this money? Um, how do I invest it? How do I get started? And it wasn't a lot of money. I think it was like two or $3,000, but to me that was a lot of money. And, and just knowing how to get started and where to get started, um, would have been a really, really important lesson. And I wish I'd just done a little bit of it in my teens. Um, um, and then the second thing is retirement. I think I just did not understand the world of retirement when I was growing up. It was not a thing on my radar. It was just not what, what I sort of thought about in any way, shape or form. But, you know, the secret of retirement is starting young and starting early. Um, and so the, the, I just wish I'd started right off the bat. Um, and, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was in, in university, our finance professor decided to have a personal finance class for the entire uh, the entire class. He said, guys, I know you're going to, you need to learn about corporate finance, but today we're going to talk about personal finance. And the one rule of thumb, he said, is on your first job, I don't care how much money you make, but at minimum you put a hundred dollars from every paycheck into a retirement account. And it was just a, a sort of thing that stuck with me. And so when I got my $30,000 job, I went and put $100 of every paycheck in there. And it just built my retirement behavior early on. Nice. But I wish I'd known about maxing things out and putting yeah. more money in. Like, I just didn't know any of that stuff. So not to underestimate the power
0: of one person in college at that stage in your life. Yep. Yeah. Making an impact. And, you know, we often say financial literacy is hard to teach. No, it's, it's hard to retain. But uh, there you go. You got a head start on your
1: retirement thanks to it. Yeah, absolutely. And all it took was one professor to make one class about it, you know, and, and that was a total game changer for me. When I donate, I like to give to blank because... I, so I uh, started my career in social entrepreneurship. So I'm a huge, huge fan of social entrepreneurs. And my first job was at a, a company called Donors Shoes, which um, helps public uh, school teachers access resources for their classroom. So I'm a huge fan of sort of donating to either social entrepreneurs or donating to our, my local community. Um, I think one of the most powerful things about every neighborhood and every city I've lived in is, is sort of that sense of community. We've, You know, it's funny, we're probably the one set of New York workers who knew all of our neighbors in every building we lived in, because my mm-hmm. husband and I just made a point to get to know them. Um, and so donating donating to either, you know, the local shelter or the local, uh, and definitely the dogs to shelter to um, and donating to um, organizations that are trying to improve the neighborhood is, is just something that I'm really passionate about.
0: Awesome, and last but not least, I'm Oddity Shaker. I'm so money because I love helping
1: people achieve their goals.
0: Well, thank you for giving couples something to chew on. I really appreciate. You coming on the show, and I know that you're still in the early stages of Zeta, but so so much momentum. And as promised, everybody, Oddity has made available a special link for So Money listeners to get to the top of the wait list for for Zeta. It's in beta. That rhymes. And it's ZetaHelp.com slash So Money. That's right. All right, Oddity, thank you so much. And I will be in touch. Perfect. Thank you so much to oddity that website again is zetahelpcom somoney slash so money if you want to bypass long list of people hoping to sign on to zeta to learn more about oddity you can follow her on twitter at oddity shaker that's a-d-i-t-i-s-h-e-k-a-r and you can also follow her company on instagram at zeta help all this info is back at so where you can download the transcript, re-listen to the audio. You can also leave me a question for our Friday episodes. A lot of you leaving voicemails for me, and I really appreciate it. Love hearing your voices. And if you want to co-host with me on a Friday episode, that's also where you can let me know. Instagram is also a great way to find me and connect. Farnouche Tarabi on Instagram. A lot of people have been sending me their questions there, and I do respond usually within 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> uh, that's how much I'm on Instagram. Yep, I admit it. I love it. I do love the Instagram. Hope to see you there, and hope your day is so money.